championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com live off-season show slash podcast. If you're watching us on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, thank you. Appreciate it. Make sure you guys do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, and we will be taking your questions and comments tonight. And if you're listening to the podcast version, make sure you follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Joining me tonight is Matt the Optimist Peralta. Matt, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Trevor. Going through some Lakers basketball withdrawals, just trying to fill the void with some Dodgers and NFL stuff going on right now. So that's where I'm at. Dude, it is. Um, it's a little strange. Like summer league yeah, got us through a little bit, but now we're kind of hitting that long stretch where we're not going to have Lakers. Oh, yeah. And at least it's not as bad as a regular season would be, though, right? Like we're only talking about a month ish. Right now, of, of right. just zero basketball, right? And then we're going to have training camps going to start up, preseason games, all that sort of stuff. So we're really looking at a month, maybe five weeks or so, and then we're going to start to see basketball come back. I think I can make it. It's not going to be fun, but I think we can make it. As long as we have each other, Trevor, we can make it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get through somehow together. Oh, somebody says... Somebody says you guys need to to buy Matt a light. Well, you guys should see what Matt looked like before. Matt's got that a was light. Bad. It, it just wasn't working. I was all ready to make all of these bat cave puns using your name, and I was going to call it the Matt Cave, and it was going to be yeah. terrible. But at least it got fixed to a degree to where we can we can see you now. <laughs> yeah, you can see me, guys. It was a lot worse part of this. Trust me. So yes. I'm making do. Next next show, it'll be better. I promise. That's right. That's right. All right, guys. Oh, somebody said, I love NFL and NBA season, best time of year. That's right, Matt. I mean, we've been doing fantasy football drafts and things like oh, that yeah. have been going on. By the way, we're going to do a little commercial later on for our fantasy football league, our Lakers Nation League that we've set up. It's going to be myself, uh, Matt, and of course, Ron Gutterman as well. We'll be playing in a league and we're looking for nine people to join us. We've already got a bunch of applicants. Uh, we are going to be playing for a good cause. We'll be uh, putting in some donations for the Mamba and Mambasita Foundation. We'll have a little bit more info on that. Uh, and I believe the email address to submit your interest was LakersNationFF at gmail.com. If you are interested in playing, we'll be picking nine people out of that group uh, coming up on August 24th, which is Mamba Day, 824. Yep, super stoked. Uh, speaking of trying to get through the next five weeks of Lakers basketball, Trevor, I am now in six leagues. So six leagues. Wow. Yep. I, get, uh, I think you've got me beat. I think I'm in five right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's including the Lakers Nation one with us. Which, by the way, everyone, if you're in the chat right now, go submit an application. Come join us for a chance to play with us. We're a fun time. I take fantasy football almost as seriously as I do Lakers basketball, so it's going to be a blast. Yes. Yep. That's right. Uh, LakersNationFF at gmail.com. And again, we'll do a little ad on that in a little bit, but we need to talk. I've already got questions. Randy Cervantes from Facebook said, can we talk about Isaiah Thomas? Yes, we'll talk oh, about sure. Isaiah Thomas. Although I will say, Randy, you spelled it like the 1980s Isaiah Thomas. If I you want, we I, can, we can talk about him. Different guy, though. Different guy, though. You need yep. the extra A in there. And then we get the Isaiah Thomas that LeBron James and Russell Westbrook reportedly worked out with. I think that's a pretty big sign there. But, uh, Matt, you and I broke this down the other day. The Lakers, three open roster spots. Word is they're only going to use two of them. Uh, they're going to keep one roster spot open to use on the buyout market. And one of those two roster spots that they will use, sounds like it's going to be used on a point guard. 
So before we get into the names or anything, though, Matt, just strategically in terms of roster build, let's try to make heads or tails of this. Because for most people, when they look at the Lakers roster, you see Russell Westbrook can handle the ball. Kendrick Nunn can handle the ball. LeBron spends a lot of time handling the ball. Why are they focusing on finding another ball handler? I guess to me, it kind of seems like they're not necessarily overcorrecting, but they want to make sure that anytime LeBron James is off the floor, there's someone that is capable of ball handling and playmaking. So I think, you know, just having enough guys on the roster that can do that. Obviously, you just named three of them. Kendrick Nunn can do it a little bit. THT will have the ball a lot. Russell Westbrook, etc. So... You know, they've already got three solid guys, but if they add a fourth one, I guess you can call it insurance in the event that there are injuries or if they need to take some better in nights off. Um, you know, it, it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world, especially since we're talking about one of these last three roster spots, right? Mm-hmm. At that point, you're kind of just throwing darts a little bit. And if you can land someone that can has a has a capable skill set that they know that they can do this particular thing, in this case, playmaking, then, I mean, it makes sense. I think shooting's covered. We've talked about that a little bit. I think the big man rotation is solidified for the most part. So, you know, if you're going to turn your attention somewhere, playmaking isn't the worst spot to do it in. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I think they were lacking last year, even with Dennis Schroeder. And part of that was Dennis Schroeder himself. He just wasn't right. He wasn't quite the playmaker they were hoping he would be. But even with Schroeder, it's it just wasn't quite enough. Especially, look, this tells me that the Lakers are going to really focus on taking that burden off of LeBron James as much as possible in the regular season, which I, I want to say that with a little bit of caution because every season LeBron's been in the NBA, anytime we've talked about taking the burden off of his shoulders or running the offense through someone else. That's never happened. That's never actually happened. Uh, It's always still primarily run through LeBron, but the idea is just to have somebody take a percentage of that away from him. So he's still going to do a lot of the heavy lifting, but now that you bring in Russell Westbrook, Kendrick Nunn can handle the ball a little bit as well. If you can get another true creator, maybe that is Isaiah Thomas. Maybe it is Darren Collison. uh, Maybe it's Mike James, right? You bring in another one of these guys. And I know a lot of people in our chat are even mentioning Rajon Rondo. If he gets bought out, sure thing. You bring in another one of these guys. It just gives you another option to pull from on a random night in January when some guys are uh, sitting due to load management. That's actually exactly the point I was going to make. Um, LeBron James come uh, playoff time is always going to have the ball basically Mm -hmm. every possession, I feel like, because, you know, you want your best decision maker to have the ball at all times or at least close to it. Russell Westbrook will obviously siphon some of those possessions. But from a regular season perspective, I can totally see why it makes sense. I know they're going to probably let Russ handle most of that during the regular season. But if they have another person off the bench, because, you know, we brought up Kendrick Nunn and THT, but they're not necessarily playmakers in the traditional sense. Yes, they can handle the ball, get to the hoop and create shots. But that's not their natural instinct. I view those guys more as scorers or people like bucket getters, really. So having a pure shot creator or someone that can, you know, handle the ball, organize the offense. I know this kind of screams Rajon Rondo at this rate, but I think that's essentially what the Lakers are looking at. And it wouldn't be surprising, you know, because the Lakers, Rondo played such a big part in that 2020 run. Uh, if someone like him or him just in general is available, I think they're going to they're going to move on that pretty quickly just because they probably view that as one of the last missing pieces on this roster. So, again, it makes sense. I think me and you would probably prefer another wing player because you can just never have enough of those. But if they go point guard and it's someone that's feeling that need, I, I can live with that. As of right now, Rondo is not a free agent. So right. and I've got you know a lot of people in the chat right now are mentioning Rondo. He's the he's the guy right. Go with him. And I fully get that. Right. If the list is 
Rondo, Isaiah Thomas, Mike James, Darren Collison. Rondo jumps to the top of the list because he's got that experience with the Lakers. There's that trust factor. You know what he can do off the floor in terms of helping out from almost more of a coaching perspective than anything else. He can fill that type right. of a role too in terms of strategy. Fully get that. But let's say he doesn't get bought out. And then your options are down to IT, Mike James, and of course, Darren Collison, we haven't seen in a couple of years now. Is there one person out of that group that you that you favor over the rest? Uh, from a purely fan standpoint, it would be Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, just throwing all basketball and, and, and analysis out the window. I, I love IT as a player, as a guy. He's just so easy to root for. I loved having him on the Lakers when he was here. So I, I'd be all for it just from a purely fan standpoint. But if I'm talking, you know, if I have to put my analyst cap back on, I mean, I guess the smart money would be Darren Collison, although, you know, the obvious caveat is he hasn't played an NBA game in two years. But because of that, he has some of that benefit of the doubt of where the only thing we can go off of is what we saw last time. And the last time we saw him, very solid uh, secondary ball handler, makes plays, doesn't make mistakes, decent outside shooter. You know, all these traits that the Lakers could definitely use. Again, we don't know if he still has that in him, but because we have to kind of go off what we've seen in the blast of him, I think he'd probably be the favorite. But then, you know, again, as a fan and just in general, I like IT. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think the fact that LeBron and, and Westbrook are working out with IT, I think that's going to get, like, we, we're not hearing yeah. LeBron and, and Westbrook working out with Darren Collison. I mean, he's an LA guy too, so, you know, maybe they are. But you're, you're we're not hearing that, right? And we're not hearing LeBron and Westbrook working out with Mike James. No, we're hearing LeBron and Westbrook working out with Isaiah Thomas. And former I think that, Laker Isaiah Thomas. Former, <laughs> former Laker Isaiah Thomas, that's right. And I think that's probably something that that matters here. Um, I could see him getting the nod. I do worry defensively, like, will Same. Frank Vogel actually put him on the floor? Knowing how much Frank Vogel cares about defense. Frank Vogel, it's not like the coach is Mike D'Antoni, right? Frank Vogel cares about defense first and foremost, right? That's uh, priorities one through five are defense to Frank Vogel. And then number six is maybe, you know, Transition defense, and then somewhere down a little bit further is offense. So that's the mindset of the coach. With that being the case, does IT actually get on the floor if he joins this Lakers team? I mean, it depends on what situation. If you're talking in general, like, will he ever see the floor? I think the answer is yes, but... Uh, when games count, when it's the playoffs, when it's a 16-game schedule, I, I'm not necessarily too sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this kind of brings me to a point I wanted to bring up at some point. But I, it kind of feels like to me that the Lakers are are putting a lot on Anthony Davis's shoulders. Because we've already heard a lot of talk about Anthony Davis is going to play more five. There's mm-hmm. no question about it. Um, but, you know, to me, that kind of worries me just a little bit. Anthony Davis is amazing. He's great. He's a uh, perennial defensive player of the year candidate. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, it's kind of testing the limits of how much you're going to put on him defensively every possession if you're going to put players like Isaiah Thomas out there. Uh, I don't think there's any question that this Lakers team, at least on paper, looks a little bit worse defensively. And it's not to say that these guys don't know how to play defense or anything. It's just like physically at their age. And I, I hate throwing an age comment out there, but just at this point in their career, how many miles is on those bodies, you know, just being able to close out, scramble, Mm -hmm. you know, rotate properly. I think they're going to be a little step slow. And so AD is going to have to cover up quite a bit. Not to say he can't do that, but I think, you know, you're stressing him out just a little bit there. So you put Isaiah Thomas in there, that problem is exacerbated five, 10 times, however much you want to put it on. So I can see him definitely being a regular season innings eater per se. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. he comes in here and handles some ball handling, plays next to THT or Kendrick Nunn even. But, you know, come playoff time, he'd have to be extremely situational for him to see the floor, I think. Yeah, agreed. It would be um, 
almost a little Montrez Harrell-esque, where it would have to be the exact right matchup in order to use him come playoff time. But maybe that's not what they need. Maybe they just need somebody who, like you said, if, you, if we want to use the term innings eater during the regular season, gets you through part of it, keeps some of the minutes off some of the other players, and that's and that's what you're looking for from him. Um, I like that you mentioned Anthony Davis. You know, I was thinking about this earlier today, Matt. Is Anthony Davis kind of the forgotten guy right now? Like we spent so much time bit. talking about LeBron and Westbrook because Westbrook has the shiny new toy effect and LeBron is is LeBron. It's almost like we've, I don't want to say we've forgotten, but we're not talking about enough. Like how ridiculously good Anthony Davis is. Yeah, he was injured a bunch this last season, but remember, he didn't get a full off season to prepare himself for a new season. He got about 30 days. Normally, he spends a lot more time on his body than that to get ready for an NBA season. Um, I think think we could see a nice bounce back here from ad and a reminder of just how good he is people have forgotten way too quickly that he looked like not just a a championship level player he looked like a league mvp in the playoffs just two seasons ago when the lakers won the championship which i mean calendar wise wasn't that long it wasn't even a year ago that that happened wasn't a year ago yeah Uh, you know it's it's funny that you bring this up because i was just thinking about this as well is that you know, the talks around AD kind of seem a little familiar to when uh, that whole debacle in New Orleans happened before he got traded to the Lakers. People were kind of writing him off saying, you know, things like, oh, the Lakers shouldn't have had to trade that much for him. You know, he's not worth it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, he proved them wrong. Now we have this shortened offseason. He has this really rough regular season, gets hurt both in the regular season and the playoffs. You know, you've got people like Charles Barkley calling him out for the injuries and stuff like that. But, you know, just because, yes, Anthony Davis has his fair share of injuries and a long injury history now. Uh, it seems like it doesn't diminish the fact that he's a top five talent in the league. Uh, Russell Westbrook is obviously the very the new shiny toy, the new the new guy on the block, right? But Anthony Davis is still Anthony freaking Davis. Um, I, I don't think I can really stress that enough. The Lakers have a big three for a reason. The Lakers on... Okay, I'll put it this way. The Lakers with just LeBron James and Anthony Davis were already good enough to win a title, I think, by themselves. Um, I just don't see why we're conveniently writing him off just because Russell Westbrook is here. The Lakers have a legitimate big three now in terms of talent fit. We can probably debate now until the regular season starts. But, you know, Anthony Davis is Anthony Davis. I think because his his game doesn't necessarily scream flashy or, you know, highlighty mm-hmm. like Russell Westbrook's does. Maybe that's why we kind of forget uh, defensively. He's the best defensive player in the league, in my opinion. No bias there. Like, I don't know. I just think it's weird. Like, I honestly do think it's a little odd that people just kind of seem to forget Anthony Davis is still a Laker. Um, and that's something I'm always going to remind people of when the regular season starts. So, yeah, a little weird. Yeah, I mean, he's, like you said, when he's healthy, he's a top five player, arguably the best defensive player in the NBA, one of the most versatile players you're going to find. And yet people are kind of just forgetting to mention him. And maybe that's because the stars shine so bright for guys like Westbrook, for guys like LeBron. They're handling the basketball. They're doing more flashy stuff, the thunderous dunks, all that kind of stuff. But Anthony Davis is going to be critical to the Lakers' success this season, especially if he's playing more of the five. And I think I almost I almost like it this way. I almost like the way the narrative is setting up here where people are kind of forgetting about Anthony Davis so he can really come back and remind everybody and hopefully come back with a vengeance next season. 
Yeah, I think he set up perfectly. I mean, he did, he had a pretty lackluster regular season last season by his mm, standards. Like absolutely. he still averaged, I think it was twenty two and eight, which is you know for most players would be amazing. That's a that's an all star caliber season for most guys. For Anthony Davis, that just happens to be a down year, which you know in its own right is pretty insane. So I think he set up. I think Russell Westbrook. We should probably talk about. We talk so much about Westbrook and LeBron. We should probably talk about Westbrook and Anthony Davis. That pairing is going to be Ooh, good. I think the lobs. Um, Anthony Davis is the best big man that Russell Westbrook's played with. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if anyone's mentioned that. I think it's probably an underrated point. But Anthony Davis, uh, Russell Westbrook was able to do a lot of things with people like Stephen Adams, for instance. So give him Anthony Davis, a versatile offensive weapon, rolling to the rim, popping out for jumpers. Basically can do everything you want to ask from a big man in today's NBA. I, I think the two are going to work really well together. I wouldn't be surprised if they establish some early chemistry, especially when LeBron James is on the bench. I'd expect those two to kind of be handling the units when he's off. So I'm excited. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that pairing, actually. Yeah, I mean, we talk about Russell Westbrook and the combinations that he's had. He was solid with Daniel Gafford, with the Wizards, yeah. with Robin Lopez. It's a little different when that guy running the floor is Anthony Davis. Like, I can't wait to see what that looks like. You think about it, I think it may have been you that brought this up uh, a few weeks ago, Matt, that Dennis Schroeder and AD combined for one lob yep. all season. One lob. Like, that's they Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis might break that record in one game. Like, the first game, oh, yeah. he's going to get more lobs than that from, from Westbrook. And I think that's part of what the Lakers really saw in him was – that he's got the ability to pass on a level that uh, Schroeder simply didn't. Yeah, I mean, again, Russell Westbrook has his warts, but playmaking is definitely not one of them. Mm -hmm. He is such a force to the rim. And, you know, the easiest way to generate a shot for someone is to collapse a defense in the paint. Russell Westbrook, I'm pretty sure he can do that um, at this point, even though he's a little older now. He still does that very frequently, basically every possession he gets. So I can totally imagine a world where, you know, they run a pick and roll. Big man comes up to help on Russell Westbrook. Anthony Davis is free for a lob. I wouldn't be surprised to see if that was a nightly occurrence between the two of them, especially if they run that play enough. So, yeah, easy offense for the Lakers could help, especially because, you know, again, elite defensively last year just had no offense whatsoever especially when lebron james sat i don't expect that to be the case this year yeah and that's that was the problem that the lakers were trying to solve in the offseason i do want to talk a little bit more about westbrook but first uh, we got a super chat here from kyle roberts thank you very much from youtube i uh, said when's the deadline for us to make some decisions i'm so ready to hear something happen <laughs> lol and if we get ennis do we believe he will be a starter okay so a couple no. things there when is something going to happen um could I mean, could be any second. Hopefully now. within the next. Hopefully within just so that'd be awesome. Yeah, that would be that would be amazing. But it literally could be any time now. But here's the, like the pool of free agents is so thin now that teams aren't in a rush to go sign these guys anymore. That's the the part that we're at in terms of free agency. So they're probably going to bring guys in before training camp starts up. So within the next month, and I know it's driving Lakers fans crazy. We've got three open roster spots. Use them. Get somebody in. Who are they going to bring in? Is it Isaiah Thomas? Is it is it uh, James Ennis? Who is it? Paul Millsap? Whoever it is, just get it done. Bring that player in. The Lakers aren't in a rush. They're not in a rush right now because they don't have to be. There's not a lot of competition. There's not very many roster spots around the NBA to grab these guys. The Lakers, I believe the Lakers are the only team with three roster spots open. So they're going to take their time. They're going to weigh their options and they're going to try to make the right decision here. And that's why you're not seeing anything happen like immediately. Again, though, it could happen. It could happen right at this moment, right? Or it could happen three weeks from now. 
And I get that can be frustrating, especially when we had such an action-packed free agency where we said, okay, free agency starts this day. And within two days, most of the free agents were gone. We had a rapid-fire free agency, but just that's not the pace of things and how things play out at this stage of the of the process. Yeah, so just a couple points. One, I, I feel like Trevor and I should be saying thank you to the Lakers because at least it gives us something <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> That's true. Um, we, we can milk this for content. <laughs> so uh, shout out to the Lakers for taking their time and making sure they sign whoever they want. But, you know, second thing I want to address is that, you know, as far as James Ennis is concerned, uh, he's a target that Trevor and I both really like, kind of fits that 3 and D wing mold. Uh, mm-hmm. That last part of that question, though, about will he start, I don't think so. No. Um, and the only reason why I want to address that now is because the guys on the free, guys on free agency market right now, they're there for a reason. Um, they're not necessarily impact guys or guys that are going to come and play heavy minutes. So even if the Lakers do end up signing James Ennis, which I personally would love because, you yeah. know, go beach. Um, I can't imagine he's going to the team's already pretty much set for the most part. So I can't imagine them signing someone this late and then saying, here you go, take a starting spot unless he earns it in camp, which would be, you know, great for him. But I, I just don't foresee that right now. So. Uh, we got to be a little bit more patient here. Like Trevor said, they're not in a rush. There's no reason to be. Um, if a guy gets signed to another team, it's not like it's the end of the world here. So uh, in actuality, the Lakers are actually doing the smart thing and seeing what develops on the market in the next coming weeks. I really think part of the situation right now is Rondo. And I think that's probably sure. one of the things they're waiting to see what happens there. Like if Rondo pops free in the next week or two, they'll they'll pounce on him. I think they'll they'll go sign him. But if not then they'll probably turn to Isaiah Thomas or one of these other guys. So I think that could be part of the reason why they're kind of waiting because they need to see if Rondo pops free or not, or if he just sticks with the, I mean, the Grizzlies have to cut some people. They've got too many people on their roster right now. So by the time the regular season starts, they've got to cut some people. They could roll into training camp with up to 20 on their roster. So they're, they're not like in any hurry, but from the Lakers' perspective, if they decide, hey, Rondo, we would prefer to have Rondo over these other guys, it makes sense to just be patient, wait, see what happens. If it works out, great. And, and if not, then you just sign the guy that you were going to sign anyway just in a few weeks. That's basically where I'm at, too. I, I, someone can fact check this, but I think Memphis is either at 17 or 18 guaranteed contracts right now. Mm-hmm. So they have to move off of one, either cut one or trade one. Um, I wouldn't be surprising to see if, if Memphis is going to try and do the smart thing and see if they can get any sort of value for Rondo in a deal. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I don't think it's likely. Obviously, that can change. But just as of today, I don't think that's likely at all. And they're going to have to cut bait some way or somehow. Um and yeah, I, I just think, again, I think the Lakers already have an idea of who'd be willing to sign at this point, especially because this roster, let's let's face it, is probably the favorite for the Western Conference crown. It is. So it's, it's going to be appealing to any veteran that's still out there, uh, basically punching your ticket to an NBA Finals at this rate. So they, they can afford to wait. It's not like it's more like a, a we don't need you. You need us kind of situation with the free right. agents left there. Um, as harsh as that sounds, it's probably true. So the Lakers know they have backup plan B and C in case plan a which i have to assume is rondo doesn't pan out so again rob palenka is doing the right thing here playing this cards right and and just kind of seeing how things work out in the next couple of weeks and by the way i'm sure we haven't gotten a chat about this yet but i'm surprised no one brought up kevin love <laughs> Ooh. Oh, i just man. opened the floodgates if he gets yep. bought out the lakers will have an open roster spot yeah i could i could see it happening i i could just definitely it out see there. that happening it would make, i mean look he's an la guy he's played with lebron I can definitely see that happening. Um, I've got a question <clears throat> question here from uh, Periscope. Said, hi, Trevor. Can we use the remaining spots 
to sign two young players like Chandy Brown and uh, and Austin Reeves. Uh, yes, now, and I know that, that, that Matt is very excited about the prospect of signing Chandy Brown. Now, technically, Reeves and Brown are both under contract already. Brown is on an Exhibit Correct. 10 deal. Reeves is one of the Lakers' two-way uh, contracts. However, let's say the Lakers decided, you know what? These two guys, you two, you've been great, and we want you full-time with the Lakers. We don't want you with the South Bay Lakers full-time. You're getting promoted, right? Sure, you can use those roster spots to give those guys full-time contracts. You could sign somebody else to a two-way contract that would open that up. Uh, you can do that if you want. Now, again, Reeves is already under contract on a two-way deal, so I don't know if that would be worth it to move, to get rid of that. Um, you can still play him for, I want to say it's 50 games up with the Lakers. That's a pretty decent chunk. So if you're not ready to promote him full-time, but you want to kind of uh, still have him be part of the system, just keep him on the two-way contract, and then you can go sign somebody else with the open roster spot, and you can still get him that experience. But if you believe, you know what, he's our guy, he's going to be getting minutes on maybe a nightly basis, then okay. Then go ahead and give him a full-time roster spot. Uh, Brown, it's a little bit different. Brown, because he's on an Exhibit 10 deal, he's got extra incentive to stay with the South Bay Lakers, but he's not on a two-way contract, so you can't just bring him up to the full-time Lakers without actually having an open roster spot. So that's where it gets a little trickier. Maybe if you decide, you know what, we really love what he's brought, and Matt and I both agree, I think he was one of the most impressive guys for the Lakers in Summer League. Maybe you bump Joel Ayayi out of that two-way spot and you give it to Brown, and then you can bring him up to the Lakers if you believe that he's a fit, or if you still like Ayayi, you keep things as they are. Um, those are pretty much your options there with them, but you're not in a position where you have to burn a roster spot on either one of those guys to have them part of your system and part of your rotation if you want. Exactly. Brown and Brown and Reeves are going to be within the Lakers organization, whether that's on the parent team or the G League in some capacity this year. Uh, Reeves is on a two-way deal, and I think from a cost perspective, it's a lot. It's it's a lot more. It makes a lot more sense for the Lakers to keep him there, just because he'll make even less than a veteran minimum contract would. Mm -hmm. So from a from a cost perspective, it makes sense to keep Reeves there. Same thing for Ayayi. Uh, I think for Sean D. Brown, what's going to happen is that he'll go into camp. They'll cut him and then they'll sign him to the South Bay Lakers and he'll spend time there and then they can groom and develop him. So, you know, yes, technically they could upgrade them to a regular roster spot, but just given that this team, their time frame and their window for a championship is right now, I can't imagine that they'd burn roster spots on young, improving guys. But, you know, down the line, they have every opportunity to keep them long term, kind of like the Alex Caruso route. Sorry for yeah. Lakers fans that are still hurting about oh, that, but it's true. Terrible. I know I had to throw it out there. I'm still sad about <laughs> it, too. Trust me. But. Yeah, essentially, they, they can follow that route where, you know, they spend time in the, in the South Bay Laker program and then they get promoted to the parent roster at some point in the future. So you, we don't have to sign them to a regular roster spot to keep them long term is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So there, there isn't a whole lot of incentive to do that, again, unless you think they're going to get minutes on a nightly basis. And I don't think we're at that point right now. Uh, Elio Acosta said, love the show. Thank you. How different do you think the offensive style will look this year? Well, I think that's one of the big things that I am most excited. I mean, I'm I'm tremendously excited just to see how this team comes together and see what it looks like. Uh, but offensively, I think it is going to look a bit different, right? I, I mean... <laughs> You, well, it should look a lot different, right? I mean, and not just because of the personnel, but because we've seen a, a very different coaching staff coming in here now. So with David Fisdale at the helm of the, the offense, or at least we believe that's going to be his role, is pretty much running the offensive side of the ball. I'm very interested to see what that looks like. And I think that I almost wish, and I don't, I shouldn't say wish, right? Like 
if we had last season's team, if they just did what everybody said at the very end of the season in their exit interviews, where they all said run it back, and then we got and then they came out this season, we it would be very easy to compare the two offenses and see where David Fisdale's fingerprints were. Right, we could see the differences there. Right. But with this completely different roster, it's going to be a little bit tougher to differentiate between what is Fisdale and what is just new personnel. And so they're running some different stuff. But nonetheless, I do expect the Lakers offense to look considerably different, both because of the almost a completely new team coming in, right? Look at the roster turnover, but also because now David Fisdale is, we believe, to be the guy that's going to be running the uh, the offense for the team. Yeah, two things. One, you don't sign this many shooters unless you're going to use them as so. So that that's already going to be a massive shift. The Lakers were one of the lower three-point shooting frequency teams last season. Mm-hmm. That's going to go way up. Uh, Trevor brought up a good point. David Fisdale, we've talked about this previously. He's kind of the one that was responsible for the Miami Heat shift in offensive identity. You know, kind of, kind of, you know, one of the first innovators for small ball, uh, pace and space shooting. I know that's going to go to Mike D'Antoni, but the Miami Heat with LeBron James and D Wade, that was very much that kind of team as well. So I feel like the Lakers are going to shift more that way. And then two more Anthony Davis at the five. Obviously, that helps from a defensive perspective because you have AD at his more natural position defending the rim and covering for mistakes. But offensively, again, more space, uh, just more ability to operate within the painted area or pop out for jumpers, which I expect him to do more this year as well. So, yes, by all accounts, I think the Lakers are going to look a lot different offensively. And I think that's good. You know, I don't think I I can't tell you how many times I got frustrated last year just watching them dump the ball into LeBron or AD and watch them isolate on like the elbow area. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, they can do that. They're they're about average or above average compared to the rest of the NBA. But, you know, at a certain point, that's just not going to cut it every possession down. You're going to need some variety. You're going to need some more volatility in terms of three-point shooting. So I think they're skewing more that way, which I think is a good thing. So, yes, the defense is going to take a slip, but I think the Lakers are gambling that the offensive efficiency boost is going to make up for that. Matt, you you reminded me of one of my pet peeves for the offenses last season. We saw it so many times. The ball would get into somebody's hands on the wing, and everybody else just stops. Still. Just yep. complete stagnation drove me crazy, particularly when the Lakers were playing a team like, say, the Utah Jazz. That's tremendous when it comes to off-ball movement, and it's so pretty. It's so fun to watch, and then the Lakers go down on their offensive end, and it's just a complete opposite. I hope that's not what we see this year. Obviously, you do need some guys just spotting up and creating space that way, but I'd love to see a lot more off-ball movement from the Lakers this season to create some easier looks, particularly for Russell Westbrook, because let's face it, the ball's not going to be in his hands all the time, so he really has to be used as a slasher if he's going to be relevant because teams aren't going to defend him behind the three-point line. This has been said about him for years, though, that he's going to have to be more of a slasher, but this season he's going to have to really take that to heart uh, if he's going to be able to be any type of an impact player off the ball this season. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Davis Painter from YouTube, the Super Chat, thank you, with a, a good one here, said, what role do you see THT playing? None said uh. he loved playing alongside him in high school. I worry, Matt, that THT is going to be the Kuzma this season. And by that, I don't mean the guy that's super inconsistent. I mean, he might be inconsistent, I mean the guy that doesn't have a clearly defined role. If you remember a couple Ah. of seasons, when Frank Vogel first came in, it was Kyle Kuzma, who I think it was on media day. He was asked what his role was going to be. And he said he didn't know. And Jared Dudley said the same thing, said, look, we don't know. By the way, it sounds like Jared Dudley's on his way out. Maybe. I hope he sticks around as an assistant coach. But um, 
Kuzma, according to Dudley, was the one guy where the Lakers coaching staff didn't even know what to do with him because his skill set was so versatile that they couldn't figure out exactly what role they wanted him to be in. Everybody else on the team, they knew exactly what the role was. Okay, KCP, 3 and D player, right? Jared Dudley, you're going to be on the bench, but you're going to be the glue guy, right? Everybody had a role. Dwight Howard, protect the paint, rebound, set hard screens. Everybody knew exactly what they were doing, except for Kuzma. And that created some issues. I really hope that's not what we see out of THT. It's hard to see exactly what role he's going to be in, but I hope it is something that's fairly well-defined because I think it's going to be important for his success. Yeah, it's a good point to bring up. I've, I've been kind of thinking about this a little bit as well. Um, I, I think what I've landed on currently as far as like, you know, because again, we haven't seen THT. He's mentioned that he wants to work on defense and shooting, which, you know, two things that every young player needs to work on. But I think mm-hmm. in his case, especially so. I honestly kind of see him more of like the pseudo backup point guard when Russell Westbrook or LeBron James aren't there. Uh, Just because right now, I think Kendrick Nunn is clearly the better off-ball shooter at this point. Um, Obviously, he can handle the ball as well. But to me, he's almost... I almost consider him more of an undersized two guard. And I think THT kind of reminds me of Russell Westbrook in the sense that they're relentless trying to get to the rim. And he has shown some ability to play make from that position. So, you know, if I had to peg him as a wall right now, I wouldn't be surprised to see them use him as kind of like a hybrid point guard um obviously his instinct is to score first but i think giving him more uh on ball reps is going to be good for his development especially down the line so that's kind of where i'm at now but i do get the concern especially if he still can't shoot quite as well yet i'm sure he'll improve but to what degree and how much defenses will respect that that kind of remains to be seen if defenses are still sagging off of him and daring him to shoot and he's not knocking down stuff then his role becomes a little bit more skewed but if he's able to capably hit shots and you know drive and dribble and get into the paint collapse defense make plays for others that's kind of the role i see for him um not quite the same as Kuz, but i do get that it's a little blurry right now but i do think that the lakers also kind of filled out their roster with role players that know exactly what they're going to do already and i think they're going to see some of that ball work to tht so that's kind of where i'm at with it as far as as where we're at right now in august and that that does kind of bring things full circle right if the lakers look at and i've been thinking about this too if the lakers look at kendrick nunn as more of a two like you're saying that it, it makes the pursuit of a point guard make even more sense, right? right? Why they'd be looking at Isaiah Thomas or maybe a Ronda, right? These types of players, you're going to look at those guys if you're seeing none through that lens that, hey, this is more of a two, as you said, in a point guard's body, more of a scoring guard. Then the pursuit of a point guard becomes, I mean, crucial, essentially, right? That, uh, that you find somebody else who's a true setup guy as opposed to none, if they're going to look at him to just score the basketball. So I think that's important to note as well. Yeah, it's also kind of why I'm a little lower in IT as well, because he's kind of a scoring point guard too, but just, yeah. you know, to the extreme where he's even more undersized than none and THT. Yeah. That's why, you know, from a basketball standpoint, I'm not super high in IT. Basketball fan-wise would love him, but from a basketball standpoint, I don't think I want that. So that's why, to me, Rondo jumps up top of the list as well, because the playmaker we were describing basically sounded like Rondo and is Rondo at this point. Um, and if we're looking at THT and Kendrick Nunn as pure scorers, and yes, someone that can actually set them up and get them, you know, open looks, that's probably going to be beneficial on this Lakers team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's something that uh, that I think they could actually use is having that kind of uh, pass first guy. You know, I've got people in the chat who are mentioning like Nunn is is clearly a one. Yeah, look, size-wise, he is. Defensively, yes. yeah, he's probably defending once, but I'm talking skill set-wise. Is he more of a pass-first guy that's going to set up players for shots? Or is he a scorer? He's more of the scorer, 
That's just, it's what he is. And so if you are looking at, we're not focused so much on position. Instead, we're focusing on skill sets. That's right. where you could say we need another pass first guy, somebody else who is going to get guys open looks. I don't know if that's Kendrick Nunn. So that's where it would make sense if the Lakers found somebody else like that. Right. Uh, the Lakers just didn't have a lot of shot creators last year. Yeah. So adding Kendrick Nunn makes a lot of sense. But from a pure playmaking standpoint, he's not really that guy. That's not a knock. That's just mm-hmm. that's just not what he does. He can do it in a pinch, but that's just not I don't think that's going to be his role off the bench. Can we take a minute? Because our chat is mentioning this a lot. Patrick Beverly has been, oh, traded, been traded twice now this Ugh. off season. And I mean, this is, it's kind of funny, right? It's got to be a little bit funny that this is the guy saying, you know, Steph, the last five years were yours. The next five are mine. That was he's still got three years, Trevor. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we don't know what team he's going to be on. Uh, there was yelling in Vegas that, you know, standing up on a table yelling that he just won the championship when the Clippers got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and, and all these things. And then he gets traded to Memphis and Memphis doesn't even want to keep him. So they trade him to the Timberwolves. He goes from LA to Minnesota. And I've got people mentioning, oh, if he gets bought out, he's not going to get bought out. Minnesota traded for him for a reason. They're either going to package him in 60 days in a Ben Simmons trade, because the rumor is that they're chasing Simmons. It it probably doesn't happen, though. Or they're going to keep him, and they're going to try to use him as a veteran piece to help get them over the hump, to help them out defensively. They're not going to just buy him out. They they gave up real stuff in order to get Patrick Beverly. They're not going to just turn around and and buy out his contract. People who are talking about, oh, would you accept him as, as a Laker if he gets bought out by Minnesota? They're not buying him out. But it is a little bit ironic, I suppose, that... Patrick Beverly, no longer a Clipper, not even a Memphis Grizzly, despite tweeting out grit and grind, let's go. Now he's been sent all the way into exile in Minnesota. I was shaking my head because I thought the question was going to be, should the Lakers sign him if he gets bought out? And that was a very vigorous and hard no for me. Um, I just can't stand Pat Bev. Sorry. He's almost at the Jay Crowder level of annoyance for me. So (laughs) I get it. Makes sense. Defender, you know, quote unquote, um, tenacious guy, plays with a lot of energy. I could totally see why he'd he'd look attractive to Lakers fans, but I personally just can't get over it. That's just me being a fan at this point. No, no rhyme or reason behind it. But um, yeah, I don't think he's getting bought out. I think Memphis, oh, not Memphis, sorry. I think Minnesota wanted him. He's already kind of talked about, you know, I think they've already seen reports about, you know, him being the veteran in the locker room that they need. Yeah. Someone to push D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Car- uh, Carl Anthony Towns. So I don't think they're going to let go of him. Like you said, they gave up real stuff to actually acquire him. They didn't have to do that. So I'd have to imagine he stays in Minnesota. But as far as, you know, making fun of him, all the jokes, I'm all for it. That guy talked a lot, a lot, a lot the past couple of years. Um, life life comes fast, man. <laughs> he was he was just laughing at people in the bubble. And now he's in Minnesota That's not fine. contending for anything. So. I- I think not having him in the same city as Russell Westbrook is a good thing for him. (laughs) It is. Yeah. Uh, I got a question here. Is Isaiah Thomas going to sign with the Lakers after working out with them? Again, we we talked about that at the beginning. Uh, He might, but I think a lot of it's going to hinge on whether or not Rondo gets bought out. I also think that it's nothing that has to happen at this moment. So we'll see. But before training camp, that's when something's going to happen there. Uh, Matt, I do need to get into this. So ESPN today did oh, yeah. a poll and it was from, it was organized by Tim Bontemps. So I guess oh. we need to view it through 
that lens. Um, you guys yep. probably know what I'm saying there. Uh, but Tim Bontemps organized this poll and he brought in, so I want to stress 10 people. 10. That was the, the that was the sample size here. It was 10 people. That's not a lot. Okay. They're execs and scouts, but it's not like he surveyed a hundred people. He surveyed 10. But of those 10, zero people voted for LeBron James as the best player in the NBA at this point. Surprise, surprise. Zero, zero votes. Uh, the Russell Westbrook trade for the Wizards was voted as the third best move of the entire offseason. From the Lakers' perspective, it was voted to be the third worst move of the offseason. And yet the Lakers were still voted as the team that is going to come out of the Western Conference and play in the NBA Finals. So how do we unpack all of that? Like, how do we take all that? Like, LeBron already reacted to it on Twitter. Threw it, started throwing out Wash King again. Westbrook has reacted to the idea that this team is just too old. How do we take all that? It feels like the Lakers are just, people are just piling on them while still holding them to this, this team's terrible. They're going to implode while holding them to this high bar that, oh no, but they're coming out of the West, but they're going to be terrible. This is never going to work, but they're going to make it out of the West. How do we reconcile that? Yeah, it's funny, right? Like the team that everyone's expecting to come out of the Western Conference doesn't have the best player on it, nor does the new the new addition that they just made going to be good for them at all. Um let's see how do i look at this so my first thought is that i think they're giving the lakers a respect because they clearly have enough talent on their roster to Mm -hmm. win the western conference and then the second thing is that if you go through the list of contenders and i think we've done this exercise already it's either injuries or guys that or teams that just aren't ready or you know we might not believe in obviously i think right now as of today you can probably only name the Phoenix Suns as a legitimate threat to the Lakers to get back to the NBA Finals. Yes, we can throw in the Utah Jazz, but after seeing them implode in the second round to the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard, mind you, um, I, I think you know the belief in that team's shaken a little bit. Um, Clippers without Kawhi Leonard, Denver without Jamal Murray. Mm-hmm. I think Dallas is a piece away. Uh, the situation with Portland is kind of tenuous at this rate. Um, yeah, just go down the line. It's really only the Suns. So I think maybe that's why ESPN and the 10 people that Bon Temps uh, sourced um maybe that's why they're picking the lakers just because there's not really another threat um and then the thing with lebron and this is why i don't like talking about this kind of stuff is because what's your criteria are we talking just you know best player from regular season plus playoffs are we you know talking about you know just the best player in the playoffs that you want to build a team around like it it depends on what your criteria is because i think if you ask most people uh even not lakers fans but i think if you ask most people if you could pick one player to go get you a championship this year who would you build that team around? It'd probably be LeBron James. Yes, I'd hear arguments for Kevin Durant and maybe even Giannis. But I think for the majority, it's still going to be LeBron. So I, I take these kinds of reports with a grain of salt. If you're going to put, if you're going to anonymously source 10 people, you know, you can't really take too much. You can't put too much stock into it. If you're going to put your name on it, if you're going to really <laughs> Don't be anonymous. That, yeah, put your name on it. If you're, if you're really that serious about your opinion. Um, well, if they're execs, so, then it's, then it's tampering. Or even scouts as well. They would be tampering, right? So they can't, it has to be anonymous, but yeah, and it was Giannis and, and KD. Those were the two, five votes apiece as the best player right. in the NBA. But I mean, we've said this a bunch. LeBron was going to be the MVP. Like it drives me crazy how we've just, we've just completely dismissed this. He was until Solomon Hill rolled up on his ankle. He was the favorite to win the MVP last season. And yet here we are saying, oh no, he's, he's done. Yeah. 
I think it's just short-term memory loss, man, because or short-term memories. Because, yes, we saw Kevin Durant have an amazing playoff run that ended in the second round. Yes, we saw Giannis Antetokounmpo dominate Game 6 and win NBA Finals MVP. Mm-hmm. So I get it. Like, those guys are great. They're amazing. I'm not going to take anything away from them. They definitely earned their place there. But just how quickly we forget how good LeBron James is. Yes, he's going to be 37, I believe, this upcoming year. Yes, this is year 19. Yes, he's on pace to break, you know, the all-time record in minutes played. But it's LeBron James. Like, there's been no signs of slowing down. Yes, there was an injury that hampered him, but that's an injury. But, like, if he was completely healthy, like you said, he probably runs away with MVP. Um, I just don't think you can dismiss that. I don't think that you can just forget about that conveniently to fit your narrative. Uh, the media hates the Lakers. So, I mean, that's there's also that. Um I don't think it's a surprise that the the 10 votes went to Eastern Conference guys, Trevor. Uh, what are you implying there? I'm just saying that, you know, they don't get to watch Lakers games quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and, and yes, Tim Bontemps, who put it together, is a very heavily East Coast guy. Right. So, again, you got to kind of look at who's reporting what what they're saying and, and you know, Kind of have to read between the lines a little bit here, but basically my point is, yes, LeBron James is still going to be good. I don't think that's a that's an opinion. I think that's just going to be fact. Um, yes, I think the Lakers are going to come through the Western Conference. And if you want to quibble and say, yes, Kevin Durant or Giannis is the best player in the world right now, I'm not going to argue with you too much just because I think our criteria is too different. But if you're going to ask me, in my humble opinion, if I had to go and win a title just this year, I'm still going to pick LeBron James. That's just it. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I think that I agree with you, but I don't want them to stop. I guess that that's the thing, right? Because as we're Keep looking at this, yep. yeah, we we can be outraged, right? And we could say, oh, you know, people are forgetting that LeBron was the MVP, and we can be we can be upset about that. But keep it coming, please keep it. Like I want LeBron fired up and, and responding to all this stuff and tweeting things out and everything. Like, and it's not. I guess that's the bigger picture here, thing here, right? It's not just LeBron. It's this whole team. Whole you think roster. Russell Westbrook doesn't hear people saying that this is one of the worst moves ever for the Lakers? You think he doesn't hear that stuff? You think that's not going to motivate him? You think that Carmelo Anthony, Trevor Ariza, uh, Dwight, Marcus, all these guys aren't hearing that this team is too old to get anything done? Right? They're hearing these things, and I think that's going to create a bonding experience. Right now, it's oh, not yeah. going to be like the bonding experience from the title team from 2020 where they dealt with that crazy situation in China before the season even started. That forced them to really rely on each other. And then they have to go live together in the bubble. That obviously can, makes them continue to you know uh, be closer together. But it's still this, uh, even though they're projected to be the team to come out of the West, they're still going to have this us against everybody else mentality, prove everyone wrong. I've seen it. Right? I've seen and heard so many fans from other teams saying, I can't wait to watch this implode. This is never going to work. All these Lakers guys are going to be hurt halfway through the season. They're all too old. Sign them up for the, their AARP cards. <laughs> That's the And the players are hearing this stuff too. So I think that shared experience and that narrative is only going to bring them closer together. And it's only going to improve the team chemistry and their overall drive to get this thing done and prove everybody wrong. So I think they're wrong, but please keep saying it. Just keep after it. Don't lose this energy. Keep at it into the regular season and continue to motivate these guys. Yeah, we believe Lakers volume three. Um, I think you basically said everything I would have said. 
you know, LeBron at this point in his career doesn't have anything left to prove. Russell Westbrook kind of echoed those statements. Um, if you can, if you want to give guys, you know, bulletin board material for free, so be it. I, I think that's great. Um, I think, and you can already hear the arguments, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, the Lakers aren't going to be good. This is what we're hearing before the regular season starts. We get to like 25 games. The Lakers are like one or two in the Western Conference. Uh, the Lakers, you know, they're going to fall by the playoffs or everyone's going to get hurt. We get to the regular season. Most of the team's healthy. Oh, well, when it comes to the playoffs, you know, Anthony Davis is going to get hurt or, you know, they're just not going to be able to play up to their competition. Then they get through the playoffs and people are like, oh, well, the Western Conference is weak. Everyone was hurt. And then you get to the Eastern Conference. It's like, oh, well, that team wasn't good. And then Lakers win the title. Like, that's just the argument. Like, the Lakers are never going to win anything, anything. So I think as fans, we just have to enjoy it. (laughs) <laughs> exactly exactly that's the way this is setting up by the way and that was one of my other points here was having the lakers as the favorites to come out of the west and yet hating on all these things that they've done it's setting it up to where if you're a lakers hater there's going to be an argument no matter what right there's something you could say right yeah if they <laughs> if they make make it all the way let's say they go with the nba championship you say well of course they won the championship they were supposed to win look how stacked this team is da 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 right and then if not, if things fall to pieces and if they're injured, you can just make fun of them for being old and, and all that sort of stuff. So they're trying to set themselves up into like a no-lose situation. It's kind of, well, it's kind of like the bubble, right? Going into the bubble, every, the vast majority of fans said, no, there's no asterisk or anything like that. Until they saw who won, then suddenly, oh, yes, there's definitely an asterisk. Or before the playoffs started. People were looking at the Lakers title path and saying, this is going to be one of the most difficult title paths ever. Man, the Lakers, they're in big trouble. Portland in round one, Houston in round two, probably the Clippers in round three. There's no way they're going to survive it. Man, the Lakers, they've really got to be bummed. All of this stuff. And then yet they get through Portland and you start hearing, oh, well, they they weren't really that good anyway. They get through Houston. Oh, that's a flawed team, right? The excuses start coming out no matter what happens the Lakers haters will have something to say to try to take away from whatever the Lakers are doing or try to celebrate any type of failure from the Lakers. But from the fan perspective, from the Lakers perspective, you just got to enjoy it. I got all the receipts, man. Portland is the greatest eight seed in NBA history. Damian Lillard, (laughs) uh, James Harden, Houston Rockets, unstoppable offense. Oh, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. To, to coming back from two, three, three, one deficits. Oh, the Miami Heat and the infamous, they've got players three through eight. Like, <laughs> it's, there's just so many things that people try to conjure up to talk themselves yep. into the Lakers being bad or going to lose a series. But in reality, when the Lakers win, it's like, oh, well, yeah, of course they're supposed to win. They have LeBron and Anthony Davis. And that's literally what the argument we've been saying the entire time. Uh, and that's the same argument I'm going to make when it comes to playoff time and they win series. Like, yes, the Lakers are healthy. They had the better players. They were supposed to win. Um, I don't really know how. I, I can't really see why there's an argument against that. So at a certain point, you're kind of just hating. And yeah, that's, that's just where I'm at. And you sit back and enjoy it. And you laugh yeah. and you don't take it too seriously if you're a fan. There's a lot of people out there that are hoping the Westbrook thing, thing does not work. There are a lot of people out there who believe it will not work. The Lakers and LeBron obviously believe otherwise. And I'm really curious to see how that specifically plays out. Because so many people out there are saying that in particular will not work. Westbrook cannot play off ball. You don't want to take the ball out of the hands of LeBron James. And you just ruined your spacing with Westbrook. And yet, on the flip side, Westbrook has been an MVP, perennial all-star, triple-double machine. But people just look at him as though he you can't win with him. I can't wait to see how that plays out. Because everybody's going to be watching that dynamic 
And if the Lakers can make it work, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have to eat crow on that one. You know, the dirty secret about the Westbrook thing, I don't think anyone's really brought this up quite yet. If Wessel Westbrook's having a bad night, Trevor, don't you kind of just sit him and you go with LeBron and Anthony Davis and, and surround him with shooters? Like, isn't that a, isn't that a uh, lineup choice? Can you do that? I, like, I mean, that politically, I don't story. think you can. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, as soon as the game yeah. ends, that is going to be the first question is, why did, why did Russ sit in the fourth, right? Like, that's going to become a thing. And so that's the challenge there. It's not like sitting, hey, Alex Caruso's having a poor night and you, and you sit him in the fourth quarter. Right. Nobody's going to question that. Right. I'm just saying, though, like devil's advocate. Right. The reason Mm -hmm. why a lot of people are so down on the Westbrook thing is the fit. Let's just say the fit is horrendously bad. The Lakers, it's not like the Lakers are they they're contractually obligated um, to play Russell Westbrook if he's having a really off night. I'm assuming it'd have to be a a truly, truly bad night Mm -hmm. to where benching it made sense. But I'm just saying as devil's advocate, purely objective here. If Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis lineups aren't working out in, you know, the fourth quarter or some other part of the game, you could sub them and just put shooters around LeBron James and Anthony Davis and put the lineup out there that most Lakers fans wanted to see last year. So I'm just saying the Lakers have options in the event that Russell Westbrook doesn't work out. I'm never going to I don't think that's ever going to happen. I'm saying that right now. I don't think. Frank Vogel has, you know, is able to do that politically. You know, there's just a lot of things, you know, behind the scenes. Obviously, the questions from the media that are going to happen after. There's a lot of things why you wouldn't want to do that. But I'm just saying from a purely basketball lineup standpoint, you could technically do that. You could. And that's where that's where I think you have the freedom to give guys nights off. Right. Right. Like if you pull a mid game, obviously, that's an issue. But like, let's say he's had a couple of rough performances in a row. Hey, Russ, you're going to take this night off. Hey, LeBron, next game, we're going to sit you, right? And you're fine because you still have two stars. No matter what, like you, hey, AD, you're going to rest this next one. Cool, you still have LeBron and Russ, right? Like that's that's the benefit of, the, of having three stars. And this is what, when the Lakers were going after Kawhi Leonard, we talked about the margin of error and how big of a margin of error the Lakers would have if they had Kawhi, LeBron, and AD. Because one guy has an off night, You've got two more stars to lean on, and that and that's a real luxury. And you didn't get Kawhi, so you could still win, but your margin for error just went down a little bit. You need some other guys that are going to step up. The Lakers now have that. And you could say that Russ is a flawed star and all that. Yes, that's true. But still, they've got guys that can lead them. So you've got opportunities to rest them. Again, I don't know they go as far as to bench him mid-game because of the, you know, the blowback you're going to get from that. But you can load manage this team much easier the way it's built right now than you could have last year's team. Yeah, I, I was just throwing it out there again. I think because some people like me are just married to the idea that he's going to be in every single closing lineup. I still think that's going to be the case. Mm-hmm. But again, just in the very rare event that it's so bad that he needs to sit, the Lakers technically could do that. Will they? Probably not. But could they? They absolutely could. And as far as the load managing kind of thing kind of goes and three-star point, it's the Brooklyn Nets model. It's, it's essentially the same thing. The Nets were so good when Kyrie was out, when James Harden was out, because they had Kevin Durant. Uh, again, if we don't have to parse this out too much, but if the Nets had just one of Kyrie and James Harden healthy next to KD, they probably get out of the second round. Um, yeah. And then, you know, if you take that a step further and you talk about the regular season, they can afford to do basically the same thing. So the Lakers are kind of following that model where, yes, one guy can rest or he's hurt. We still have enough star power to carry us through the rest of the night and, you know, however long that stretch of games is. Uh, I've got, and this relates to what we're talking about here. I've got from YouTube, uh, Ricky Beavers 
I don't know if he's related to Ethel. Sorry, that's a Parks and Rec joke there. Uh, they should stagger Westbrook and LeBron's minutes, so they will always have a top-tier playmaker on the floor. 100%. Yes. I, I would imagine that's that's got to be in Frank Vogel's mind, is that you can do that, right? I mean, that's kind of the whole point. Like, for years, Makes too much we, sense. We, we've seen the second LeBron goes off the floor, the offense just crumbles, just falls to pieces. And that's been a challenge. Now that doesn't have to happen because LeBron goes off. Oh, here's the ball, Russ. And you've got a, a former MVP to give the ball to. That's That's got to happen, right? Uh, I don't know, Trevor. It makes too much sense, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't wait for the live show during the regular season where Frank decides to experiment and has LeBron and uh, Russ play next to each other than AD, the lone big or the lone star out there. That's going to be fun. Wait, you mean Russ and, and LeBron on the, or Russ and LeBron on the bench and AD in the game? Yep. Oh, it's going to happen and people are going to throw a fit. <laughs> people will be so upset. Yes, but yeah. you know it's going to happen at some point, uh, but just hopefully not not too much. Right. All right. Well, I appreciate everybody coming in and, and throwing in all these questions and comments. Obviously, we're kind of in kind of in limbo right now, right? Where we're waiting to hear on these final three roster spots. Well, I guess I should start saying final two because from what we've heard, they're not going to use one of those spots. They're going to keep it open for the right. buyout market. So we're waiting to hear who those final two players are going to be. We're also waiting for the season to start. That's going to come up in you know, a little over a month. We're going to start hearing about training camp and media day. All that sort of stuff. October 19th, the season officially starts. The Lakers will be taking on the Golden State Warriors, which, I mean, it's two months away, but we'll get some preseason and stuff in before that. So we're kind of in limbo right now. So we definitely appreciate you guys coming in, still talking Lakers basketball, and we're getting ready for the season that is going to start really picking up within these next few weeks. Uh, Matt, this was fun. Always a, always a blast getting to talk Lakers basketball. And uh, let's just start the season, man. Let, let's just get this thing going. Yeah, I'm I'm dying for some basketball right now, man. I think I'm just overcompensating with the lack of it with these fantasy football leagues, which, by the <laughs> way, again, before we leave, make sure to submit your applications before 824. Uh, shameless plug. Um, we're still taking applicants. Would love to see as many as possible. I, we've seen some good ones, right, Trevor? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. We have seen some really good ones that have come in. Again, it's uh, LakersNationFF at gmail.com. In fact, here, I'll, uh, I'll finish things off by running the, uh, the fantasy football ad. And then, uh, and then we'll get out of here. Here we go. Thanks, everybody. And uh, make sure you check this out and come join us and play a little fantasy football. Lakers Nation, do you want to play fantasy football with us? We are setting up a special league this season for Lakers Nation fans where you're going to compete against the three of us, myself, Matt the Optimist Peralta, and Ron Gutterman, and we're doing it for a good cause. going to be a lot of fun. 12-team league, that means we're looking for nine. We're looking for nine Lakers fans to join us in a fantasy football league this year. Matt, how do they enter? Yeah, so... Please send any submissions to LakersNationFF at gmail.com. Once again, that's LakersNationFF at gmail.com right there on your screen. And in your submission, be sure to let us know why you want to be in this league. And as far as your submission goes, be as creative as possible. Send us videos, send us pics, send us songs, send us anything you think that'll grab our attention and make us pick you to be in our league. And just for a reference, the due date for this is going to be August 24th, Mamba Day at 11.59 Pacific Standard Time, after which we will be going through each and every submission to pick the lucky nine to be in our league. And also be sure to keep open the date if you are picked for September 3rd, Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And Ron, let them know what we're playing for. 
Yeah, so if you are accepted to our league, you will pay a $50 donation, and we'll figure out exactly how that works. But you'll pay a $50 donation that will go directly to the Mamba and Mambasita Sports Foundation. Now, we want to stress that this is after you've been accepted. A $50 donation beforehand does not guarantee your acceptance into the league. You will submit your application to our email, LakersNationFF at gmail.com. We will accept you, one of the nine, and then you will be required to donate the $50 through whatever platform we have before the September 3rd draft date. So again, $50, uh, that's after you are accepted. And then, yes, yeah, September 3rd, 6 p.m., we'll have a great time on that draft. So that means we're going to be helping a great cause. Obviously, the Mamba and Mambasita Sports Foundation, that in and of itself is great. And then we get to have a lot of fun playing a little bit of fantasy football. And, of course, there will be a prize for the winner in addition to just, you know, having the honor of beating one of us or realistically one of the three of us beating you. Make sure you guys do go ahead and put in your submission right now and we look forward to seeing you in our league.